Okay, here we go. Another great episode. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us this wonderful afternoon on Tuesday, another great Tech Tuesday here. And I'm at a very special location. We are in North Hollywood at Emory Motorsports. Hello, CP. Hello, Supercar. Thanks for joining us again. Sorry about the slight tightness. I really got engulfed with so much goodness going on here, which is fantastic. And for those of you on YouTube, thank you for joining us as well. This is an opportunity where we sit down and we answer a lot of your questions, both written in and live, tech in nature and otherwise. Anything about technology, vehicles, what we're doing, our projects, so on and so forth. So thank you so much for joining us this wonderful afternoon. And of course, hello Sam, good seeing you. Hello 808, thank you for joining us this afternoon as well. And today, since we're off-site, we have Ari who's at the facility holding down the fort. So today we have Hedy right there, and she's right there, she's waving, there you go. She will be answering the questions today. And uh, we'll have the opportunity to provide all the information you guys asked of, and hopefully I can get to all your questions properly. And then when we're done, we will have an opportunity to interact with the proprietor of this lovely establishment, Rod Emery. And after the program, when we're done, I have a sneak peek for you guys. Something very exciting for all of you here on Instagram Live. So thank you so much. Hello, that Joe guy. Hello. And that's Rod going by right there. So, um, yes, that being said, Hedy, why don't we start off with our first question? Hello, A Sacred. Thank you so much. Uh, sure. what, what question do we have first? The first question is from the Anchor Nation. Oh, Anchor Nation. And they have a question about your thought on the electronics for car technology moving forward in the future. So he has a question about car electronic technology. So I assume that you mean by EV and possibly in the tuning market as well. How does that change and what does that have in store for us for the future? Believe it or not, and I know a lot of you and my fans are against this, but the EV technology using electric motors to propel vehicles is the future. And I firmly believe that those of us who are tuners, if we do not embrace that technology, we will fall by the wayside. Yes, there will always be opportunities for vintage racing, vintage performance, but you know, by all means, the EV technology is the future. Now, for those of us who are enthusiasts who love to take advantage of the wheel, we did some demoing with um, Toyota early in the year, and the fun doesn't go away. You can have an opportunity where you can be in a high-performance EV, you can exist in an autonomous environment where the car can get you from point A to point B, which may be a little boring, but when you get to a winding road, you can take over and drive very nicely. And for performance, you cannot beat the performance of an EV electric motor. Imagine, immediate torque at 1 RPM. It's absolutely fantastic. And something that we tend to embrace quite a bit. So, as you think of the internal combustion engine, you start with a low torque, just based on the nature of how it works. You start with a low torque volume, you go up to peak torque at peak efficiency, and it falls off again. So it takes some RPM to get to that peak efficiency, and then after that peak RPM of efficiency, it falls off. So imagine, immediate torque at zero to one RPM. You can have so much fun with that, it's amazing. So not only does it reduce the carbon footprint, especially if you charge it with a source that's more environmentally friendly, you can have your cake and eat it too by having a lot of fun and not worrying about polluting emissions, which is great. So I foresee opportunities for tuners to be able to still modify them, there is a company, a Renato of North, that's doing a great job in creating what I would say the background operating system for all EVs and a lot of um, uh, manufacturers, F um, FCA, Toyota, are embracing this platform. There's a good opportunity for exciting things to come. So, Anchor Nation, thank you so much for that question. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. 
Okay. On that What's same realm, VW uh, mm -hmm. 2.8 asks. VW 2.8, okay. What do you think autonomous cars will have in the car culture? Do you think more people will be reluctant to give that feel of driving a car away to get a lower insurance rate? <laughs> also, do you think it would mark the end of the car culture, being that insurance will raise rates to non-autonomous cars? So that's a great question about autonomous cars and how it can affect car culture. And I don't see that as a way of totally eliminating that. Now, of course, in the automotive you know, community, especially as I spend time at consumer electronic shows all across the world, I'm starting to notice that the horse part of the future seems to be interaction with the vehicle, almost like a human vehicle interface. And that seems to be more and more interesting for the younger crowd. But there's still many of us who are still hardcore enthusiasts and by all means who continue to embrace speed and having fun. So, yes, there may be lower insurance rates with those vehicles that are autonomous in nature. Yes, there may be slight penalties for those who continue to drive cars that are not autonomous. But I'm telling you, based upon what I've seen with the OEMs, there will be opportunities where people can take control of the reins when needed, especially when you come to a winding road, there's a lot of fun. And when you're doing something boring, like going to supermarket, going to service, going to church, just going out somewhere, by all means, the vehicle just drive you there. Hell, if the car needs servicing at a place like this, guess what? The car can take itself to service and get service and come back to you. There will always be a place for enthusiasts, for driving, for car culture, no matter the propulsion system. So I hope that answers your question properly. Um, okay. Yes, question. you know, um, I think a sacred mark, yes, you're absolutely correct. He says so many wrong drivers with black boxes couldn't imagine having to deal with that back in the day. And you know what? That happens. And you will always have an opportunity where tuners are given this challenge of, oh my god, we cannot crack this code, we can't modify this. It happened with OBD1, with OBD2, with, you know, so much CAN bus, but we're still able to do that. And the autonomous opportunity, EV engines give us even more opportunities to have a lot of fun and do great things. So thank you so much. Thank you, Cliff. I appreciate that. Absolutely, Max Bruce. Good to see you, by the way. Thank you so much. So, you have another question, Next Eddie. question. Uh, Yulito Yulia94. Yulito Yulio94. <laughs> okay, I hope you're there. Thank you, Jules. The most cost-effective, what's more cost-effective, okay. buy a built engine kit and swap a factory or take factory to a speed shop and have it built? Okay, so... He's asking what's more cost effective. Took an engine that's already built and sometimes you can get them in crate more applications and putting that in or taking your stock engine and also getting that built. What's cheaper? It depends. If you're looking at a crate motor like what FCA has with uh, Dodge and FCA is the Fiat Chrysler Automotive Group, those guys have this. You can buy a Hellcat engine for I think it's less than $20,000 with warranty, complete ECU pedal, all that good stuff, driver wire. Well, that's pretty cost-effective compared to trying to build from scratch, taking a factory Mopar and trying to get pistons, rods, you know, being able to modify the heads, valve train, turbocharger or supercharger, and getting it to the same 700 horsepower. So, in that case, yes. But if you're looking at, let's say, what many of you out here do, um, taking an inline four engine and looking for an engine that's already built from a very well-known tuner and throwing that in, which would cost you twenty to thirty thousand dollars. Or being able to take one out of your engine, getting pistons from, let's say, Trom for like $500, getting a rod from like BC Motor for like $350, buying bearings for a bearing set from us, I think we have a bearing set for $120 or so, it, it becomes a lot more cost effective. So that being said, depending on the engine and depending on your goal, many times it's easier to build something yourself versus dropping in. But if you have something where a manufacturer has put a lot of effort into designing a high performance package, that could be cheaper. We have that from, I think, Hyundai did it once, we definitely have from Chevy, 
from FCA and from Ford, which is very, very nice. So I hope that answers your question properly. Thank you so much for asking that indeed. Okay, what else do we have, Eddie? Uh, Fox Design, etc. Fox Design, I think you're here. He said, BC, I'm needing Purell recommendations. Weight and change, durations on a rebuilt B18C1 with a Jackson Supercharger. I only have 80 braking miles on the rebuild. Okay. Plans for a secondary vehicle, not track, and we'll be getting a final tune soon. Okay, Thanks. so thank you so much for that question, Fox. And by the way, Rain Man, yes, I will save this live. You'll see it here on Instagram for 24 hours. Um, Sam, as well, you'll see this for 24 hours here on Instagram Live. Then I upload to YouTube to the BC Moto channel. So you can go on YouTube, type in BC Moto, you can join um, and become one of the followers on that feed, and you always get alerts on what we're doing. And then, for those of you who like to listen to this when driving um, on the toilet, no, um, when you're having a time to walk your dogs or at the gym, we have this also live on um, available on podcasting. So. You can go on iTunes, search for Bismoto, on Anchor, or Radio Public, and you can by all means at any time do that. So, now, going back to Fox's question, he has a built engine, he wants to know what recommendation I have for pure oil, and pure oil is one of the oils that I find extremely appealing. Of all the compounds I've tested, and as a chemical engineer, I've tested them all, this compound is absolutely superb. So I love the guys from pure oil, they're doing great things, cooler oil temps, more protection, higher shear stability, ex- like, Imagine just an amazing anti-chemical and anti-heat function, um, lower evaporative function is fantastic. So, since you only have 80 miles on the engine, I would not encourage you to immediately switch over to a pure synthetic. What I would ask you to do is have an opportunity to get some Purell that has high zinc, it's very important for your valve train, the Purell Onyx, which is a braking oil, put that in, break it in for another 1,000 miles or so, then drain it out and put in Purell 530 or 1040, depending on your bearing clearances. If your bearing clearances on the mains and rods are in the teens, you know, you by all means go um, a thou and a half, you know, one four, one three, even one six, 530 is fine. If you go on the looser end of the scale, looser clearances, getting towards twos, um, you know, two fives, two threes, 1040 will be the way to go. So that's something that by all means, you can explore. Um, no, you can tune. So Fox, what you can do is actually now should he wait to tune? No. Tuning is very important and you can tune while breaking in the engine. So I would drain out whatever you have in there now, which is probably a standard mineral oil. I would highly encourage you to invest in the Pure Onyx, which is a proper high zinc breaking oil with all the compounds that can allow you to remove all the rubbish from the engine and allow for very good interaction between the rings and the cylinder to give you a great seal. Go and tune your car. And when you're done with the tune, Drain out the Purell Onyx and throw in your Purell Elite Synthetic of choice. 530 or 1040 depending on your bearing clearances. My pleasure, Fox. My pleasure indeed. Okay. What else do we have, Eddie? Perfect. A Sacred Mark. Sacred Mark. He said, have you thought about putting a Pandem wide body kit on the Cayman? Okay. So I have this crazy center seat mid-engine Porsche where we did a bespoke... Um, kit, we had our friends from Extreme Dimensions help with a front bumper that more rem- reminiscent of a GT3 997. We have this really crazy, nice custom rear bumper. But we had our own flares made to just allow for proper clearance and ease of access in case we have any damage on the track. A Pandem kit is one that's from Japan. It's from a fairly popular tuner out there. But it's a little great. I don't know if it's really a good track kit. It looks very, how should I say, lightly. Um, very stancy and showy. 
I'm a track guy. I love racing. So I never considered it just because it looks more of a, a, a show car kit than a full track kit. But um, I, I just never thought of it. I just want to do something that's very easy and ideal for us. So in the event that you never know for the future, we may end up doing one, but it's not something that's in our plan short term. Um, I'm okay in having us um, crank out some really nice ones that are easy for us and straightforward and can do the job for us and that's more track ready, our track design. So I hope that helps. Thank you so much. Um, the 2019 Chevy trucks, the 2.4 liter four turbo that Greg Wilson is asking about, I haven't had personal experience with that, but I'm very happy to see a lot of manufacturers going the route of smaller displacement engines, using turbocharging for efficiency and power, and also having great efficiency to boot. So you have the power of the older larger engines, the lighter weight of a smaller engine, and then also lower fuel consumption, it's a win-win, so I like those, you know. Um, have I tried carbon cleaning any of the engines? With, um, no, with carbon dioxide, um, I've actually had the opportunity to uh, do a little bit of cleanup outside of engines, and it's a very good process. What I love about using carbon cleaning or carbon dioxide to clean is it can remove all the residue and rubbish without having any chance of scratching or embedding services or putting granules of sand or walnuts into a passage that you don't want. So that being said, very, very clean. Um, why do the kids on a day in Maryland? Maybe. My schedule is pretty crazy, but you never know. You never know. Um, thank you, Cliff. Um, Giggs, yo, greetings from South Africa. Thank you for joining us this, this wonderful afternoon in Southern California. I'm here at Emory Motorsports, as you can see behind me, with some really nice specimens of Porsches. We'll get to that in a moment. Very, very, very good. Okay, so what else do we have, Eddie? Uh, a must-see progression. A must-see progression has a question. Asked, so a few months ago, I asked about the highest compression ratio a fully built B18 LS could handle. Oh, I remember that. On 91 pump. Yeah, I remember I said 13 to 1. 13 to 1, yes, with aggressive cam. However, what if the block has been heavily bored and sleeved by Golden Eagle okay. and a complete head work up from port flow? Okay. Still... 13 to 1 at most. Okay. And do you think a build like that could break 300 wheel horsepower if you tuned it? And what other miscellaneous upgrades would you suggest besides the obvious? Clutch intake, manifold, etc. Something that individuals usually overlook on builds like that. Okay. Oh, green from Central Illinois and green from the UK, guys, for those of you who tuned in. Now, you had a question about a 13 to 1 B series engine, and can that break the 300 wheel horsepower goal or, or mark with 13 to 1 large cams, ported head? and keeping the compression the same? The answer is no, not easily. So that being said, if you get 300 crank, yes, but 300 wheel, that you know, puts you more towards 350, 360 to the crank. It takes a lot of effort to make that happen. We've have been part and parcel to a build. Um, let's say, I don't know if you're here with us today, years ago, where we did a B-series engine. And that was a very involved project, um, non-VTEC cams, much larger than 13-1 compression. Camshaft that didn't utilize VTEC. Um, a decent sized stroke as well. We got that to 337 to the wheels with individual throttle bodies that are very, very large. So to be able to pass that 300 horsepower goal, you cannot do that on one octane. You just don't have the protective value in terms of warding away detonation and also the caloric content of fuel to get you that goal. So you have to go with something that's more alcohol-based, ethanol or better yet methanol. Then above and beyond that, you have to have a head that's extremely, extremely opened up for good port volume. Then you have to use a camshaft that can at least get you to the close of the 500 lift cams and nothing smaller than 50 inches of lift, a duration that's smaller than 270 degrees from 50 to 50. Um, so that being said, it's, it's, it's pretty involved and it will not be a streetable setup, not easily. So with that and a proper intake manifold where you have to run at least 
at a minimum, 62 millimeter throttle bodies for each runner, and Kinsler makes something that can fit the bill very nicely, and a proper 4 to 1 header with three steps and very large cross-section area. With those things, by all means, you can have an opportunity to meet and even exceed your goal. It has been done. We've done it, and we did that over 10 years ago. So it's very, very possible. Anyone who's asking my thoughts on the variable compression ratio engine, I think it's fantastic. It allows you to do many, many good things. Above and beyond being able to get away with using fuels that are ideal, or to optimize on fuels that have great caloric and also high potential for wetting away off. And it gives you a very nice wider opportunity for efficiency and a torque curve that is much more appealing than a standard fixed compression setup. And I know Renault has been doing that for quite a while, Nissan has been digging deep into that, that technology as well. Thank you, OG, you never know. Right now, it's really crazy. If you're willing to wait to the end of the year, it may happen, by all means, you know? Okay, so we have so many questions. Hey, give me the eye that Ari always gives me. So, hey, what questions do we have um, following up now? Sure, so Falsy9. Falsy9. Okay. Any advice on building my own rotor and brake pads with CNC? Okay, so he's asking any advice on building his own rotors and pads using a CNC. Great question. And I say great question because that's a very honorable thing to want to do. It's very exciting to see people think out of the box to create something. But I will tell you this. Companies like Brembo, companies like Taurus, companies like Woolwood spend millions of dollars over periods of time optimizing compound friction materials for brake pads. They spend significant amount of effort into design and, and analysis, especially in stress analysis on calipers, it is in your best interest and safety to use commercially available brakes and pads from reputable sources and designing your own brackets to adapt them to your chassis. I love going fast, I love creativity, I'm big on thinking out of the box. So that being said, I'm also very big on safety. So I want the best for you and for all of us, for people who share the track or the road with you, I would highly encourage you, look at the guys from Taras, great guys, I love those guys. Willwood, they're local to us here in California as well. These are companies that have great hardware in terms of calipers with lots of research and analysis, stress analysis around them, and with friction compounds that can be tailored to what you do. Make a bracket, adapt accordingly, design your own hats to be able to allow you to put different type of, if that, that should be the extent, please, 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 unless you have the resources and knowledge and ability to do great analysis on brakes, I would highly encourage you to use commercially available and make it easy for yourself and safe for others and yourself indeed. Hello, I did good. Thank you so much. I hope that's your question. May not be what you want to hear, but I'm here to really point you in the right direction and make sure things are proper. Okay, so what else do we have, Eddie? Uh, Colin Dow. Colin Dow, I have uh, a question. What car did you drive to work today? Today I drove a 2017 Hyundai Ioniq Hybrid. So, even though I love going fast on the track and I do a lot of testing every weekend with my crazy Porsche, when I drive on the road, I'm big on efficiency and, and gas mileage and, and, and having really, really cool interaction with me and the vehicle. And I, I'm driving a, an Ionic. Um, and I drive today, I got, I was kind of flowing because I went to Camarillo before I came in North Hollywood. And the fact that I was going pretty fast, my gas mileage went down to about 48 miles per gallon. So, that's what I got on average coming up here today, all the way from Hacienda Heights. I hope that answers your question properly. Next question yes. is from AJ Thompson. AJ Thompson, I don't know if AJ's here. I don't quite see him. I don't know if he's here or not. 
He said, how would you go about installing brakes and suspension mm -hmm. to a car in which the components themselves weren't designed for that particular chassis? Mm -hmm. Would you need custom brackets and mounting points? Well, I'm a big advocate of using factory mounting points only because, particularly in unibody cars, which I tend to explore quite a bit, those locations are reinforced and are optimal from the manufacturer. And the last thing you want to do is to put it in a location that doesn't have great integrity, and that could be a big challenge. So, that being said, I'm very big on designing custom hats if need be, and using commercially available tubes if it's not available, and partnering with a company like KW or Progress to make something happen. So, it's a combination of using what's commercially available, or making some bespoke parts, and some custom hats if need be, but using factory points when, when accessible. So, I hope that helps. Perfect. So JJC BMX 516. Okay. He said, I've decided to purchase a Cayman S and okay. plan to turbocharge it to get more wheel horsepower. Yes. The question. With the goal of 350. Oh, since my feet keeps pausing, that we have a very bad connection. Uh-oh. So um, how about you guys? Does anyone else see a bad connection or is it just super the cart? How's everyone else doing out there? Do you want to shut down and start back up? Um, I can try. Let's do that. Why don't we shut down and start back up? Okay, let me see if I can get the back here and I'll try again. Can you get another hour? I'll try. Okay, so guys, what I'll do, I'm going to come out and come back in. And if there's some noise in the background, that may be some of the grinding they're doing back here, but let me come out and I'll come back up. Yeah, he's pausing too. Okay, we'll come back right, guys. Give me a second. Now, for those on YouTube, hang tight. On the podcast, hang tight. I'm going to come out of Instagram Live and come back in. One moment, guys. Hang tight. Okay. I have a good, good signal here, so let's try again. Live. Start. Check connection. We are live. Okay. So hopefully you guys can hear me better this time. I had to leave and come back in for those of you on Instagram Live, so kindly forgive the interruption that was coming up from time to time. So that being said, um, hello Joey. Joey, how do I sound? Is this clear or are we still kind of messed up here? 1992, this is a thumbs up. That we're, I think we're good. Jeremiah is here as well. Thank you so much for joining guys. How is my connection now? I heard it was very bad before, a moment ago. What did you hear back? It sounds good. Thank you so much, Joey. Appreciate that. Derek says good. Thank you, Jen. Hello, Mark. Good to see you again. Very clear. Fantastic. Sorry about that earlier, guys. You know, technology, our friend, and our worst enemy. Okay. So that being said, we're now 22 minutes into our interaction this afternoon. Hola. Greetings. Thank you for joining us, Ruben, this afternoon. Great connection. Thank you, John, so much. It's fine. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. Okay. So, hey, Dave. What are questions do we have? So, JGC... Uh, BMX 516. Okay, BMX 516. He said, what do you recommend for the best reliability and performance okay. with a goal of 350 on stock internals for a Cayman S? And he plans to turbocharge it. Okay, that would be the kit we have coming out later in the year. So for all of you who have any 987 KMSs, especially those that are 987.1, by all means, from BC Model, expect by the third quarter of this year to have a very easy plug-and-play bolt-on twin turbo kit using components from my friends at Turbinetics and making sure that everything, you know, reliability is very important to me. I love going fast, but reliability is number one. So third quarter this year, we'll have something for you that will meet and even exceed your goal reliably. And you have the capability of doing pump gas or even E85. So hang tight. So we'll have the opportunity to be able to do that. Okay, guys? Okay. 
So thank you so much for that question. Appreciate that. Next question, AJ Thompson. AJ Thompson. He said, you said a few tech Tuesdays ago yes. that the Odyssey's J35 could be pushed to getting on from 1,400 to 1,600 horsepower. Yes. Would this power level drastically jeopardize reliability and longevity, especially while using steel rods and standard cranes? Furthermore, would the fully built transmission be strong enough at that torque level? Especially if the, the given vehicle is all-wheel drive. Okay, so to answer your question about the J35 and the Odyssey, yes, it's very possible to make four figures easily and eclipse what I've done so far. My challenge, AJ, are the main caps on the bottom of the block. They're not extremely robust. They have two boat mains, and we've seen some some walk, some cap walk. If you ever introduce this. Smallest, the smallest amount of detonation, which can happen, especially in high boost levels. It takes very little at high boost levels to get some kind of interaction there that can be you know, detrimental. So that being said, something has to be done significant to those caps, and it's not just changing the main studs, it's being able to redesign the caps themselves. They can do that. Over to the gearbox. That casing does have the capability of holding a nice size set of gears with diameters that can be quite robust for the horsepower level. The challenge is the thing casting on the bell housing, so a billet bell housing, is definitely something that has to be explored. In an all-wheel drive situation, you can spread that torque across the chassis a little bit better, but you need to have a very robust rear end as well to make things happen. So that being said, by all means, it is possible. Oh, you're good. You don't want to have fun. It's a shot because I'm having fun. So guys, forgive me. Um, I'm here, of course, at Emory Motorsports, and the guys here, they're working away. You can hear some great noise out there. And later on, we'll have a nice tour of this fantastic facility, which is pretty exciting. So, that being said, I hope, AJ, that answered your question properly. You can do these things, but there's no free lunch. Things come with slight penalties. You have to reinforce and over-engineer to make sure you have a reliable project. And reliability is extremely important to me. Okay. Next question yes. is from AJ Thompson. AJ, another good question. He said... Is the K24Z7 in your SI mm -hmm. at its absolute limit for making reliable power? Oh no. Or would the use of a stroker crank, aluminum, or titanium rods, and other more modern components than the one used back in 2011 enable it to make even more power than its current setup? Well, answer is, there's a lot more. I have barely scratched the surface. I have so many projects going on, and what we did in 2011, just to get to 2004, was based upon the accumulation of my experience then, into an engine that was fairly new and that wasn't quite embraced yet. But now more and more people are seeing the potential of the next gen Civic. And that being said, for those who have seen that, know that there's plenty more potential in it. And we play with things from time to time. I've played with even smaller turbos, larger turbochargers. But about the rods, I already started out with aluminum rods in those engines, in that engine from when it was first built. So there are many opportunities for more power and improved efficiency. We may even be testing the chassis this Thursday. So stay tuned, I'll have even more information for you not only in terms of efficiency, but playing around with fuels of different caloric content as well, you know? Um, bam, yes, if you send the hot wheel of my van, I'll be more than honored to sign that for you. Just send in a uh, self-addressed stamped uh, mailer so that I can put it back on and send it back to you. But I'll do it for you free of charge, no problem. Um, yes, I have quite a few B-series camshaft that's in stock, primarily, you know, B-series VTEC. The non-VTECs, I don't have any more of those. Um, Constructive Ruckus is asking how my EF wagons is coming along. How did you know I had wagons in plural? Anyway, um, I can say that I haven't touched them yet, but something very exciting is coming for both cars. So that's all I would say. 
um, M96 engine I recommend to build anything in the model year 2004. So I like the chain design on the 2004 M96 engines, whether you're looking at the 27, the 32, or the 34. I find those extremely appealing, a lot more robust, a lot more. And then the IMS bearing is superior as well. So I like that. No, it's okay. It's okay. Constructive. No problem whatsoever. So on that Thank you so realm, much, Blue Content. Appreciate that. On that same realm. Oh, hey, there's a question yeah. on the same realm. Well, that <laughs> one Joe guy asked, uh, last week you mentioned bringing back the wagon. Yes. Can you tell us more about what you have planned for it? Uh, so what I can share about the wagon is I miss the blue one so much that we built. And the reason why I got rid of that wagon is because as much as I love it, we do live in California and people kept trying to steal it. So I got tired of having to worry about it in broad daylight. I parted it out so other people can enjoy it in many pieces, but I miss it very much. So I, I, with my friends from AEM Intake, um, it looks like we'll be bringing that back to life. And if we do, it will be in the AEM Intake's booth at SEMA this year, so you have the opportunity to see it. But I can give you one hint. I will remain with a small displacement engine like I did before. It will be turbocharged, but it'll be significantly modernized. So from a technology perspective, it will be light years ahead of what I did before, where I put that 200, uh, I'm sorry, 724 horsepower um, D16 um, Z6 VTEC with a large turbo that was bigger than the engine. This would be a lot more advanced than that. So I'm pretty excited about that. And something that many of you would be able to easily replicate with some assistance. So that being said, I'm very excited about that. Infinity, we'll see. I'll share. I'll share. I'll, I'll be able to show the build as time progresses. But I'm sure that all of you. Constructor, don't paint it blue. Why not, Constructor? That's kind of my signature. I love that blue color, and I want to bring it back to how it was. I have another one. Maybe we'll explore what other colors for the other one. But this one is very important to me, based upon my history, that I want to be blue. Yeah? Okay. So, so Fox Design has a question Fox again. Fox Design, said, Morris. Have you ever built a 914? For some crazy reason, I love that model. I do like 914s as well. Um, I had two of them, and... I may be involved in a project build, but it won't happen this year. So I haven't built any 914s yet, but I do have two in my possession. Um, they're both red, believe it or not. They're almost like the Del Sol's of Porsche, mid-engine as well, almost like the great-great-grandfather of the Boxster, which is pretty cool. But um, that engine bay is huge. There's so much potential. But if I were to build one the way I desire, I would keep everything within the Porsche family. So I expect to see something powerful and water-cooled um, definitely in, into that. I'm, I apologize for the interruption, guys. I have uh, people, I think the guys from Mattel are calling in to me. But um, yes, sorry about that. So, okay. Thank you so much. He said, Bobby, no, I just love cars. I just, I just work hard and, and like to be able to do some things that are very enjoyable, uh, especially when it comes to the automotive community. So thank you so much. I just love improving and, and figuring things out. And I just happen to love cars. Not an F-22, not at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> yes, it's a Del Sol Porsche. Absolutely constructive. Okay. Yes, Sandy, what else Next do you have? Next question is from 23 Rivas Rex. Okay, 23 Rivas Rex. Okay. Any plans in the near future to start tuning Subarus? At this time, the nearest future, no. In the longest future, yes. So I expect us doing a lot of Subaru tuning in 2019 forward, especially as we um, get some success in establishing a relationship with the manufacturer. So you can expect to see that next year, this year, short term. I don't have any plans at this time. Now, if you need components design, pistons, rods, valve train, camshafts, we can help you with that. But above and beyond that, no, not this time. Yes. 
Constructive, I actually agree with you. You're absolutely correct. Um, the 914 crowd, those guys are hardcore. And they have a cool white body kit that's like a two-piece. The whole party comes up, the whole ring comes up. It's pretty, pretty cool. Hello, Boss Yoshi. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Um, no, I haven't thought of uh, Mazda B2300 pickup. I remember the B-Series pickups back in the day when people used to do crazy things with the beds. But I've never seen it as a performance vehicle and hence never really explored it. And I have limited exposure to the Mazda brand. But that could change anytime soon. Um, with a BMW 2002, you know, especially the TIs are becoming very, very rare. Um, for 1973, what I would do, first I'll restore the body and make it look totally factory outside. But I would, don't put it past me, I'm crazy. I would love to put a modern day M3 direct injected engine into it and give it the best of both worlds, where it has modern technology and power and the old school beauty of a classic 2002. So thanks for asking that question, Cherish. That's very nice. You know. Parsonist of the F22 NA drag car, that's easy. Which one? If you want the inside, very simple. I have a BC Motor Level X camshafts, Kenzo 64mm throttle body, um, custom headwork, our own valve train, um, Tron pistons at 17 to 1, aluminum rods. Um, I have a, a destroyed crankshaft from our friends at um, uh, Crower. I have a Golden Eagle sleeve block. Um, I have a uh, action clutch on it. I also have a gearbox that was modified by our friends in Canada. Houseman uh, Racing. Um, I have an AM Infinity. I have eight thousand cc um, uh, Bosch injectors, courtesy of our friends from um, uh, Five Ball Racing. And then, of course, to keep everything lubricated and safe, I run Purell Five W Thirty. So that's pretty much it. You know. So I hope that I hope that uh, really helps. Um, Mahadis is asking any advice for graduates trying to get into aftermarket internships. Find a local facility that you admire, that is very, very good, that has that puts out great product, and intern there. Get into the place, offer your services, help them out, do an internship, get your head around the industry, see if it's something that you really admire and love, and then put in your best work. It will pay off in the long run. Thank you so much, Chase, and appreciate that. My pleasure indeed, you know. Um, so, Constructor Brooks is asking about Trom. Actually, the name is new. Actually, the name is new, but technology is not. I mean, think about a company that has over 30 years of experience manufacturing pistons. So these are the guys who started off who were engineers at Arius, and when things happened with the company, when the company was sold off, they started their own organization. And I'm an advocate of technology, so that being said, I've gone with them, and many of my peers have as well. So you think of all those years of automotive technology, experimentation, and feedback, and technology is now available where you can get great customer service, great products, and even more advancement, which is pretty exciting, you know, which is nice. Um, so you have F22A pistons, about piston ring gap recommendations. So Takahiro, it depends on your horsepower level. If you're boosted, I'll give you some loose recommendations. Um, I would say your top ring, um, 0 0.022. Um, if you're gonna hover in the four 500 range, go to 0 0.024 if you're gonna make more power than that, especially that um, bore level of 86. And then on the second ring, go another 0 0.001 more gap. So, you know, 0 0.023 or 0.025, depending respectively. And for your oil ring, stay within factory spec. So I hope that helps, you know. So, um, what else do we have, Hedy? She's giving me the eye, like, I have so many questions here. We're 30, 40 minutes into our session today. Okay, yes, Hedy. Uh, next question is, I have a question for Hiroshi904. Okay. Um, about what you need to do when you take care of, when you change pistons to a higher compression okay. ratio. Okay. Have you experience with Mercedes M111 engines or other Mercedes engines? 
Yes, I have not had much experience with Mercedes engines. The closest I've done is tuning them on Motec or AEM, but I have not built any Mercedes engines at this time. However, one thing that's great, my pleasure, Tata, one thing that's great is that internal combustion engines are all fairly similar. If you have the concepts down, they tend to extrapolate to many different marquees, but I don't have intimate experience with that engine style, so I'm sorry I'm not able to answer that question properly. AJ also um, asked. I do, actually AJ, I favor Tron over all of them. Um, not only are the designs better, which is the, actually AJ, that is the key reason. Believe it or not, no matter what, there are very few forging houses here in the US. There's one major one that mostly all the piston manufacturers go to. So the forgings are the same. Now, the design, how the skirts are cut, the cam profile, yes, cam on the piston, the cam profile on the piston itself, ring line designs, and better yet, interaction with the engineers is what's key for me. So when you call Tron, when you interact with them, you get a design engineer on the phone to help you meet or exceed your expectations. And they take feedback constructively. So not many companies I can go to, show them a piston dome design, show them a bone pattern, say, hey, I want to increase the dome volume in this location and reduce it here, and they do it exactly if not better to my specification. Not many companies can vouch for that. I can vouch for that can do that. So that being said, Tron is the one company that not only are they, you know, a very tight-knit community of great enthusiasts, they're always at every event supporting. Not only that, and they have great piston designs for everything from Porsche to Honda to Nissan to Toyota to Subaru. They also care about us as consumers. They will go out of their way to make great things better. And that's why I love them. So I hope that answers your question properly, AJ Thompson. Minivan is treating me well, E46. I love that van. It is awesome. We built that way back in 2012. And she keeps ticking and going through a bunch of shows and people driving in and people from media taking in and, 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 and it's just absolutely fantastic. Yes, and Jeff, I go to PRI every year from when it was in Orlando to now that it's in Indianapolis. I'm there every December and I'll be there this December as well. And I think my friends at PRI will have a booth and if they'll so, I'll be in their booth, which is pretty good. Okay, just Eddie. AJ Thompson also. AJ Thompson, another question. How Thank you so much. How do you go about changing from methanol to E85 or petrol for a drag car after finished racing to avoid any potential damage? So, definitely I pickle any system that runs methanol, um, by all means, because methanol is extremely hygroscopic and also can attack and devulcanize rubber. So, whenever at the end of the event, what I would do in a car that has methanol is I would use the ECU to drain out the fuel that's in the system. Then I'll add regular petrol, or if it's a high compression engine, a decent octane rating of petrol, and no, no crazy loads, start up the car with a different map, rev the car up and flush the system out, and leave that pickled fuel in there. If you have any type of stage injection, I would create a map that can open those stage injectors at a much lower throttle position to be able to squirt out any methanol that is being in those cylinders, or I say that cylinders, but the coils of the injector itself with much success, and that's it. With ED5, I tend to leave it in, unless I'm going to have extended period time of, of storage, let's say over three months, then same thing. I'll drain the entire fuel system, do the return line, using the ECU, putting my 91 octane, or high octane fuel if it's a high compression engine. Uh, if it's a boosted engine, you're never going to boost when you're at rest, so that being said, you don't have to worry about that using a high octane 91 will suffice, and I flush the system, play a 91 octane map, I rev the car, make sure everything's good, let it idle for a few minutes, and that's it. Very, very simple. Um, Jeff Rosario is actually which IMF designed to recommend. 
Uh, without naming names, I'll say the one that's pressure fed. The one that's pressure fed with oil. I like that design very, very much. Yeah. No? Um, no, not yet CNC works. <laughs> I haven't had the chance. I promised myself that I would dismantle the engine last weekend, but I had two friends who really needed my help. Um, Rywire and came in and we spent all day Saturday working on something very special and I didn't have the opportunity to get to it. And on Sunday, my friends from Action Clutch came by and I thought we only spent a couple hours together. It was a full day as well. So give me another weekend or two. I'm racing this weekend out in Bunny Willow, so I may not have the opportunity to do it this weekend, but a weekend or two and I'll get a box up to you. I'm very, very eager to see your technology. Hello, Efren. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm here at Rod Emery's shop. Very nice facility. In a moment, in a few minutes, about 10 minutes or so, we're going to have a nice tour and see, get a sneak peek of what goes on here in this lovely facility. Okay. So, yes, C. Perez R35. C. Perez R35. Said, what's the differences of a M96 or M97 Porsche engine? Which okay. is the best one to choose from for a Porsche 911? Excellent question. It's like the M96, M97 engines, which is better? So, my experience has been with this engine quite fast, this engine family. And this is when Porsche had their first foray into water cooling for the masses and for the base carrier and boxers. The M96, a good engine, excellent pro, um, um, port on the intake, very nice port and exhaust, decent camshafts, nice valve train, even with hydraulic actuators for the buckets. Still very, very nice design, flows amazingly well, tons of potential for power. Now, a small percentage of those engines had challenges with the uh, intermediate shaft bearings and also the rear main seals, but it's a small percentage, but it kind of gave it a very bad name. But in normal Porsche fashion, they have improved the engine design significantly. So we compare M96 to M97, the M97 reigns supreme. The M97 reigns supreme because you have an improved IMS bearing, you have improved cylinder walls, you have an opportunity where, this is what I love very much, the scavenge pumps in the heads are significantly superior. And then you look at the chain design. They went from a five chain to a three chain design with hydraulic actuators that are very, very improved. And to improve the quality of torque out of the engine, there has now been opportunity for improved bow train design. You know how the Honda's have that VTEC, where Porsche did a great job with the Vario Cam, where they now have a VTEC type assembly on the intake, on the M97s, and variable cam time to give a nice wide torque curve, which lends itself extremely well to natural aspiration and extremely well as well, well as well, for boosted applications as well. So that being said, the M97, whenever you can, budget allowing, explore. If you want to explore the M96s, by all means, I like to explore the three chain ones from 2004 and up. But if you have no choice, only have an M96, the base ones are not bad, as long as you address the shortcomings of the sleeves, of the INS bearing, and a little bit with the valve train. So I hope that answers your question properly. Hello, Shik Burford, <laughs> RFN, good to see you. Hello, Kevin, is asking how you're doing, Heather. What's up, Chris? Is there, what's up, Chris? Beautiful. Okay, so what's the last question? Oh, good, beautiful. To transition into our next phase. Yes. BC, is that where they built all the 356 Porsches? Asked C. Perez R35. Yes, it is. At? Yes, it is. So we're going to have an opportunity to go and take a look. A sneak peek. First time ever for all of you to get a sneak peek of this great facility. Okay? So, um, is a 400 horsepower GSR strong being possible? Yes, it's turbocharged, supercharged with the right components. It is possible. Absolutely. So, why don't, here's what we're going to do. 
I'm going to save this guy so he doesn't have access to it because it's going close to our ending time. I'm going to come back in. We're going to meet Rod Emery. He's going to give us a sneak peek, unseen by any of you before, of his wonderful facility and crazy projects going on. So hang tight. Come on in in a few seconds, and we'll meet Rod and see what he's been up to as this crazy, mad scientist guy with 356s and Porsches and engines and all this. It's crazy. I'm, I'm actually I'm sweating. It's awesome. Okay. So I'll see you guys in a few seconds. Hang tight, okay? Thank you. Cheers.